with COVID, it's been really quite difficult to put some boundaries in place, but all working on them. For me as a CEO, we've gone through the largest, biggest crisis in our 100-year history. I will say I've worked very long hours and that has been challenging. But what I have sought to do, which has been great for us as a family, is protect some time, go out for a walk at lunchtime with the children, or they will bike when I'm running. And a big thing, which I've really enjoyed and I will keep, is having dinner with the children. So we have now three meals a day nearly together, and that's been incredibly important for the family. very warm welcome back to the Leaders with Babies podcast. Thank you for listening. I am Farina Hefti. I'm the CEO and founder of our social enterprise Leaders Plus. And I've set up this podcast and our award-winning Leaders Plus fellowship program because I want to give you access to inspiration and really practical support and hopefully some new ideas so you can continue to progress your career whilst enjoying your young children or your, your young child in a way that works for you. So, If you believe that you shouldn't have to choose between really ambitious career dreams and at the same time enjoying your baby, your toddler or your primary school child, and if you want to join a group of like-minded mums and dads, then definitely have a look at the fellowship. Applications are open now on leadersplus.org.uk forward slash fellowship. Now, if you're selected as a fellow, you join a nine-month program together with a supportive group of parents across sectors, all from very different walks of lives, very different outlooks, but who are all passionate about developing their career dreams and that actually we should have parents in very senior roles and that it's absolutely okay to both want that and also really love your children and want to spend time with them. And just practically, it's a nine-month program. You'll get a senior leader mentor who has experience of combining an ambitious career alongside young children and, of course, structured sessions with world-class experts facilitators to help you figure out how you can progress your career in the context of your child and just get some new ideas and, I guess, also protected time to think so that you can uh, figure out where you want to go and get support from others around you in that group to get there and make that a reality. I guess one thing to say is that we're looking for people who are not just passionate about their own careers, but also who want to be part of the change to create a world where every parent can thrive at work, including their senior role. And we're looking for people who are willing to support others, be that other fellows or parents outside of the fellowship, to help them achieve the same thing. So if any of that resonates, then definitely take a look at leadersplus.org.uk forward slash fellowship. And just one thing I want to say, it goes without saying that we welcome mums and dads. More than 10% of our last cohorts have been dads, well actually still are dads. And one thing just to keep in mind is if you're listening to this and thinking, mm, I'm not sure if I'm you know, the right, good enough or the right person, research shows that women often and also ethnic minorities sometimes self-select out of opportunities. So if right now you're hearing this and you're thinking, mm, is this for me or not? then it's really worth setting up a quick call, which you can do via our website with a member of our team just to talk it through. Yeah, we've put that up there because we know that some people do tend to self-select out of things if they're not sure if they're good enough and so on. But I guess the main thing is if you're really passionate about your career and you want to help others and you're really passionate about your children and you don't want to live life like previous generations have, then you're definitely 
a really strong candidate for the fellowship. In terms of maternity leave, we have about 20 to 30 percent of our cohort a year on maternity leave or share parental leave or adoption leave during the program. Because of that, we've made it accessible to everyone with babies. So it's absolutely fine if babies are on the meeting, well, the Zoom, the, at the moment, Zoom meetings. And we really welcome that. I guess that's the whole spirit of the program. But we also have a number of colleagues with older children and we have a separate group for those whose children are in primary school, at which we've piloted it earlier in 2020 and now is a core part of our program. So, yeah, we have some subsidised places available, including hardship fund for those who experience any financial difficulties and you can apply by 4th of March. But if you are interested, it's probably worth looking at it and starting the application earlier. But all the details are on the website. So that's enough from me for now. And I'm really looking forward to sharing with you the conversation I've had today. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to the extremely inspiring and just altogether wonderful person, Michelle Mitchell. She is the CEO of Cancer Research UK and a really, really interesting person. She lives the tale of being a CEO with children and she's been a really brave trailblazer for parents doing things differently in her own career in order to make it all work. And so I think you'll probably find her conversation really thought-provoking if you're also thinking about your career development and just the practicalities of managing a really high-powered job whilst also wanting to be present with your kids. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. So a very warm welcome, Michelle, to the podcast. It is wonderful to have you on. Why don't we start with you sharing a bit about who you are, what you do for your work and who is in your family? Hi, Verena. Great to be with you. Really pleased to get the invitation. I'm Michelle Mitchell. I'm the CEO of Cancer Research UK, which is the largest charitable funder of cancer research in the world. And I am uh, passionate about leading charities to achieve their purpose, impact and social change. And for me, a key way of delivering long-term value is through a focus on impact, collaboration, innovation, and critically, harnessing the power and ambition of our people, whether that's our staff, our volunteers, citizens, strategic partners, corporate partners, scientific community, to achieve huge goals. And for me, that means today improving cancer survival by three and four by 2034 here in the UK, but our longer term mission is to see a day when we no longer have cancer and all cancers are cured. Wouldn't that be amazing? And who is in your family? How old are your children? So I have two children, a boy who is 11 and a girl who is 12, and they've both recently entered secondary school and I have a long-term partner. And I presume your children, like everyone else at the time of recording our home, being schooled by online. Is, is that right? They are indeed at home and they are homeschooling as we speak, although there has been a break where milk and a cookie has been provided in the last 10 minutes. It's got nothing to do with doing this podcast, but yes, <laughs> they are and they're coping very well with it. But of course, miss seeing their friends and being at school. And just on a practical level then in normal times even though that it feels like normal times were a long long time ago how do you manage the day-to-day of 
the childcare with your other half and the other support network practically? Do you have people picking them up from school or is that something that you do or how does it work? Sure. So during the national lockdown, I think like the rest of the country, I would describe my childcare arrangements as inadequate. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. I think we're all in the same boat there. But previously, depending on their age, we've had a real mix of childcare, whether that's a childminder using after school clubs, particularly in infant and junior school. When they were very small, we had a nanny that I have consistently through their infant and junior school period, pick them up at least one day a week from school. That was very important to me when they were younger. Now, I don't think they're particularly keen for me to do that because they've gone to secondary school. But yeah, we've relied on a mix and my partner and I share that responsibility around parenting. And did you always want children or did you at some point weigh up whether you wanted to have a very senior career in the charity sector versus having children? What Was that always clear in your head about what you wanted to do? Well, I think having children is such a personal issue. Not everybody chooses to or not everybody can have children. But for me, I always knew I wanted children, but was focused in my 20s, I suppose, and early 30s on my career traveling the world and having it seems as much fun as I possibly could have so for me it wasn't whether I would but when I would and by my mid-30s I think I realized I really knew I had to get on with it and I didn't consider do I have to trade off a career with children I felt really strong desire to have children and a strong desire to have a career too. Fascinating and did you face any expectations from perhaps colleagues or just a wider society about doing both? Let's face it, there are not that many CEOs who also have children and are actively involved in, in their lives, I would say. Was there any judgment that you were faced with or not really, or you just chose to ignore it? No, and perhaps later we'll talk on about the importance of how flexible working, good line managers have helped and supported me through my career. But no, I I didn't feel any expectation. I think one of the things I've learned from a very young age is don't ever compare yourself to anybody else. Uh, Try not to do that. I think this was what I believed was important to me and work and family are important. And I felt that both were possible. That's very, very wise advice. And sometimes the fellows on my program, we run a fellowship program where we support leaders with babies and young children to progress their careers. And sometimes they say that the role models that they're presented with, they seem like they've got it all together and it was never hard for them to combine a very senior career with young children. Did you say the women said that or the men? No, no, no. So yes, you're right. We have men and women on the program, but some of the women said that they were really interested to hear from people like you whether you did have any tough moments combining your senior career with with young children. And if yes, if there's anything that you've learned from it. Oh my goodness me, I can say three times, yes, 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 there have been tough moments. For me personally, my children haven't reached teenage years yet, so we'll have to see how that goes. But undoubtedly, the most challenging time for me was when the children were babies. They were both born closely together. So I had two babies under 16 months, neither of whom appeared to ever want to sleep, ever want to sleep. So combining being a new parent without my own parents to help, they they weren't alive and aren't alive. 
being newly promoted, so I was promoted twice off maternity leave, and being extremely sleep deprived for three years was not easy. And I think some of the lessons I took from that were how important it was to have a supportive boss and team who would say understood my circumstances, but was supportive and tried to be understanding of them. Flexibility for me was very important in how I managed my time and my work. Reassessing expectations of myself about what was possible. And certainly it was all not possible. And I recall those times as being a period where work and bringing up young children really did dominate. So all of the things we loved to do, you know, hanging out with friends. I've got a huge range of interests that I'm passionate about. I love a social life and, you know, the fun that that brings. But I remember during that period, I consciously thought, you know, I can't do all of this. So if I concentrate on two things, not to worry about my lack of reading and going out to restaurants and enjoying social activity and critically a real sense that look, this period will pass it will be replaced by something else. And it did. And I tried to focus hard on enjoying it for what it was at the time. And I think they were the things that I I learned during those periods, which enabled me to continue to take on significant leadership roles, both as an executive and a non-executive during those early years of, you know, two, two children born very closely together who still don't sleep that much, I have to say, but I don't mind that these days. (laughs) Don't say that. Please leave us with some hope there. There are many, many, many (laughs) families and friends whose children did sleep. In fact, one of the things I, I recall, one of the only times I've ever been envious in my life is hearing about how much babies slept. It used to really get to me because, of course, my two didn't. And that's all I wanted in the world at that point. But, you know, it did pass and... You know, I I look back at those years of those that I can remember fondly. And were you already quite senior then or did your career kick off after the sleep deprived years? Well, the extremely sleep deprived years. So I was, um, I was made a director, I think around my mid 20s ish, you know, sort of, I can't remember the exact year, but, you know, in my 20s. And then prior to having children, I'd been made a director in a newly merged organisation and then went on to take on a broader role within that organisation after another year or two. Interesting. And did you at any point think during those sleep deprived years, let's just plateau for a little bit and not continue to progress? Did that ever cross your mind? Well, I wasn't driven by progressing during that period. You know, I haven't had a career plan. I haven't thought, you know, I want to be more senior in every role that I've had. I've largely focused on trying to do the best job I could during all my career at the time I'm doing it, but be open-minded to new opportunities as they emerged. I think what I sought to do very clearly was manage expectations around what was possible during that time. And, And that's why I'd also say having a supportive boss and team is really critical because your team helps you an awful lot as well as the climate your immediate line manager provides for you to be able to do your job. So how did you get a supportive team and a supportive boss? Was it luck or how did you get them to be so supportive? 
it's a bit like uh, <laughs> how do you get a supportive husband I mean some of these things are luck some of them are intuitive aren't they about who do you want to work with who do you want to work for but I would say throughout my career three critical times and it turns out they weren't a a long duration of time, but they made a huge difference to me. So one line manager, first time I worked flexibly was when my mummy was very poorly and eventually died in hospital, but that was a six month period. And I worked flexibly during that time. For me, that was a 10 day week over nine days with every week working from the Northwest. And you know that was a six month period, but it made a huge difference to me that I had that flexibility. And this was, I don't want to say decades ago now, but it, it wasn't last year, you know, it was it was a long time. And then I have, uh, with both children, been able to work flexibly, return to work at a time and pace of my choosing. So initially coming back two, three days a week, four leading to the four and a half when the children were, were very busy and working from home. So I felt in both circumstances, I've had some control over how and when I came back, although I did go back reasonably quickly from maternity leave, albeit on a part-time basis. And, you know, I felt very supported by the organisation and the people and my teams around me. The other thing when you talk about that's particularly in relation to organisations and bosses, in one maternity leave, it was spring, summer, and my team used to individually come and meet me. I would buy them an ice cream, having fed the baby, and would have a one-to-one walking around the common. And they seemed to love that more than me. So, you know, we always got a sense that in teams, understanding both parenting and caring responsibilities as, and what they bring has been predominant. And I've supported people to do job shares, you know, several, many years ago. And one of them's still going. I think it's now a decade later, they're still going as a, a job share and doing that extremely well. Wow, that's amazing. And it sounds like you've made a real impact on their lives. From my perspective, it was two for the price of one. I mean, they're brilliant and both hugely committed and made that work. And I think it was 10 years ago now, and it is still going, which is super. So it sounds like you're a big proponent of flexible working and job shares in senior roles as well, which many organisations are very supportive in junior roles, but not so much in senior roles. What do you think needs to happen for more people to be able to work flexibly in senior roles? Well, I think flexibility is one part of it. I think, you know, if we take a little step back, I think for many parents, carers, people from a range of different communities, there are too few role models in senior leadership roles. And I think what people want to see is see people like them leading organisations. I think people being, seeing people appointed like them and seeing the panels of people appointing people looking like them is, is also very important. And so too is sponsorship of women and people from diverse backgrounds and offering more flexibility in the workplace. So some of the things that we've been thinking about at Cancer Research UK is pull out three themes. One is women in leadership. So one of my priorities has been encouraging more women into leadership at Cancer Research UK and working with other women leaders to do that. I think it's essential for all the 
performance, economic and moral reasons that we know and that diversity of thought can make boards much more effective. I think flexible working, as you say, is really critical. So we've been working through a new policy we're about to launch at Cancer Research UK to provide our people with much greater choice about where and when they work. And, you know, I see this as being a really significant enabler for inclusion. I think COVID has helped challenge some traditional views about how you can work flexibly and what it needs to be as an employer to work flexibly. So I won't announce it now, but I'm pleased with where we've got to. And I'm hoping our staff will really take on board the options and opportunities that are there. And I think the third, which has been front of mind, has been supporting people during COVID lockdowns. So we've, throughout the pandemic, operated a position known as Best Endeavours, where we've asked those with children at home due to disrupted childcare to do the best they can, but with no minimum hours required. We are looking at relaunching our flexible working policy and then also looking at this period now, which feels quite different during lockdown and, you know, children being back at school, as you said, what more we can do to support people including options around furlough so flexibility is important but so too is seeing visible women leaders panels recruiting people like them and supporting not only parents and carers through lockdown but having a culture which is inclusive which enables people to give their best work Mm -hmm. fantastic and have you worked flexibly you've mentioned you work part-time during your career Rarely part-time, but flexibly. So whether that was when I had caring responsibilities for my mum, flexibly in terms of shifting 10 days to nine for a period or working four days and then four days out of five, working from home. But I've tended to, other than those immediate months after childcare, work flexibly, but undoubtedly long hours. And do you have a particular approach to boundaries? There are some people who believe, actually, you know, it's okay to just acknowledge that there are no clear boundaries between home life and work. And others say, no, I've got very clear boundaries. I'm not going to look at emails at this hour, for example. What is your approach there? In the sense that I would add a couple of things. You know, I am very passionate about my work. I love my work and I really enjoy doing it. So within that, you know, what I'm about to say is contextualise with I get great joy from it. I have got a couple of principles rather than boundaries, one of which is when I'm with the children, I'm absolutely with the children and focused on them. I have always sought to at least when they were in primary and junior school, pick them up one day a week from school to have their friends back to make sure I'm networked with the school community as well as my professional community and friends. So I know their friends, I know their parents' friends. When I'm not working or only partially working at the weekends, then if it's not locked down, the house is often full of children, other people's children, as well as my own. And I tend to be one of the first to offer to take to football or netball or, you know, because I I want to spend time with them, even if it is just ferrying around and, you know, being a you know, very active parent. I would say with COVID, it's been really quite difficult to 
put some boundaries in place, but all working on them. For me as a CEO, we've gone through the largest, biggest crisis in our 100-year history. I will say I've worked very long hours and that has been challenging. But what I have sought to do, which has been great for us as a family, is protect some time, go out for a walk at lunchtime with the children, or they will bike when I'm running. And a big thing, which I've really enjoyed and I will keep, is having dinner with the children. So we have now three meals a day nearly together. And that's been incredibly important for the family. You know, there's lessons from COVID that I would apply back when we will come out of this situation, which I will really want to keep. Having a life outside work is critical. So, you know, keeping in touch with friends and family and your hobbies and and all of that. But, you know, undoubtedly being a CEO is a tough job and no tougher than over the last year. In this vein, quite a lot of our fellows do say that guilt is an ever-present feeling they have. Are you someone who doesn't experience parenting guilt or guilt of not doing that extra 120% because you are having dinner with your children? Guilt about work? No, never. I give a huge amount to work, so I don't feel guilty about that. You know, I'm pretty disciplined about it. Guilt about being not a good enough parent or not doing enough? Mostly no, actually. Mostly no. And I've got a few reasons why I say that. I mean, I talk to my children about my work a lot and try to involve them in my work where I can, whether that's coming to a fundraising event or talking about an issue that's come up or, you know, watching the news with them, talking about the science, talking about what happens in my day. And they're very proud of what I do and give me a huge amount of support and understanding I need to do my job. So so that's a really important dynamic for me. They're involved. They understand what I do. They feel proud of what I do. And they support me. If those things weren't in place, I think I might feel quite differently about it. Occasionally, you know, I have used a number of tricks to make myself feel better in them, particularly, you know, at very, very busy periods or, you know, I'm pretty organised and if I've made a commitment to my children, I keep it, you know, whether that is going to sports day or picking them up and having friends over for play day or, you know, parents' evening or saying we'll do something. I absolutely meet those commitments. I was often the only, one of the few women parents at football on the 1st of February, you know. (laughs) You tended to get more in the summer, in the summer months, as I was wearing my husband's puffer and his hat and his scarf and salopettes or something. They genuinely think I'm interested in them and their hobbies, even when secretly I'm not in that on February in the snow. But intense periods of time or international travel, you know, I've always, which now is much easier, but FaceTime them, sent them messages myself, written them notes, postcards. But I used to do this thing, Uh, because we haven't done it for nearly a year, haven't travelled with work for a long time, is write notes for my children in their bedroom and hide them. And so each day they had to find a note, which was a little love letter from their mummy to them. And just those tiny little things, I feel, have kept the engagement and the connection up so they know I'm thinking about them when I'm working. And, you know, as I said earlier, try to have an open house when my 
when I'm not working. So the children feel this is a place for them and their friends. And, you know, I grew up with a household like that. I'm keen they feel that too. And I enjoy the friendships with their friends too. So I get a lot out of it, actually. Hearing you talk, what strikes me is that purpose is so important to you. And actually, what I'm taking from a personal level is that actually, if you are really passionate about the purpose of your work or the purpose of your interaction with the children, the fact that you are, you know, you want to make them feel valued, you want them to have a personal connection with you rather than just having, well, I just this morning, you know, this is what you need to do. Get your trousers on, get your this, this, that and the other on and <laughs> having that command chain in the house and actually really building that relationship. And I think it's a really helpful to reminder to just focus oh, on I the learned purpose. so much from the children. I mean, we talk about all sorts of issues. They have their own. It's wonderful. 11 and 12, they're starting to form their own opinions opinions and I can tell you dinner time oh it's a northern tea time now you know we have a six o'clock tea rather than a seven o'clock dinner and now we're all at home it's a lively discussion and they challenge me and they pull me up on things and you know they have their own opinions and views and you know I reflect on that and they have a big influence on me actually mm. Although I have to say there are times when they're more than happy for me to work so they can watch TV and eat chocolate with their daddy, which doesn't always happen (laughs) with me. Sometimes they do push me off somewhat. Don't you feel you've got another thing to do if, you know, they're wanting a different type of parenting from the other adult in the house? Fair enough. Both are important, hey? Both are important. Absolutely. And they're leading their own experience and taking responsibility for that, which, which which is great. One thing that I'm also interested in is is just this step that you took to exec and then CEO leadership. And the reason why I want to explore it is because I really believe that we need to have more women and more people with caring responsibilities in those exec roles. But what often happens is that individuals continue to progress to senior manager type level and then get stuck. I'm simplifying hugely here, but do you have a view about any particular different behaviors or competencies that might be needed to get to that senior level we talked about structural issues and structural issues are there but is there something that the individual can do to behave in a way that a ceo would behave or a senior director would behave that's a great question well look ceo jobs i think are tough and intense and the stakes are very high you know so that is a fact i don't know any ceos who wouldn't describe their roles in that way. But I do believe boards often, not always, have a disconnect between what what makes for an ideal CEO and what actually leads to high level performance. So I think we live in a world where there's unrealistic yet dominant stereotypes about what a successful CEO is. and, And for some, backed up by extensive evidence of Harvard Business Review. So it's not Michelle just pontificating. You know, there's a view that it's a six foot tall white man with a degree from a top university who's a strategic visionary with what looks like a direct to the top career path and the ability to make perfect decisions under pressure, right? That That's what often people think of as the perfect CEO. When you look at some of the evidence, particularly that Harvard Business School have produced around what 
actually makes for a successful leader. It's not that. And there are a set of key behaviours which make for a successful leader and CEO. One is deciding with speed and conviction. So earlier, faster decisions and stick by them is really important. Engaging for impact. So setting a clear course for the charity, the business and getting buy-in and from a range of audiences and building in stakeholder priorities into that. I think adaptation, so the ability to adapt proactively is critical. So where are we now? What needs to change? We're, you know, we're in different circumstances. And of course, that's been extenuated through COVID more than ever. And I think protecting the time to think about the long term. So, you know, often people will talk about dividing their time as CEOs between short, medium and long, third, third, third. Well, actually, the evidence is the more a CEO is linked and protecting their time to the longer term, not only the longer term, because uh, in the longer term, we're all dead. But, you know, having a an understanding of how the world is changing around us, what are the early signals that we're picking up? What do we need to pay attention to? And doing something about that is important. And I think the fourth behavior you know particularly talk about behaviors but the fourth behavior is reliably producing results so setting realistic expectations and delivering on what you say you're going to deliver and I would say they're important behaviors at a CEO or executive director director level which if you can master those four behaviors you have a a great competency and capability base to be successful but we do face a number of barriers you know too few role models not too diverse enough panels who recruit like themselves not enough sponsorship of women and people from diverse backgrounds and importantly more flexibility required in the workplace but they would be some of the behaviors I would draw upon and some of the challenges and barriers I think we face in the workplace but clearly my board at Cancer Research UK was incredibly foresighted and none of those things. <laughs> I think it's, it's absolutely fascinating what you're saying. It makes me think of time because especially working parents who have very young children don't tend to have a lot of time. But what you're saying is, even if you don't have a lot of time, it is essential to safeguard that long-term thinking time. Just to add, Verena, just a couple of other things, not only protect your time, but you know, some of the evidence around women in the workplaces, uh, particularly with children, tend to become more task focused. So, you know, the old adage, give give a busy woman a job, holds true, but underinvest in networks and relationships. And I, I, you know, if you're talking about some of the other specifics, I'd say continue to invest in your own education, your networks and your relationships and take small steps. It doesn't have to be a huge thing, but set yourself one small task a week. And um, it's amazing. 52 weeks in a year, how that builds. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's excellent advice. And incidentally, exactly the principle that runs under quite a lot of our sessions. It's really lovely to hear you say that as a CEO that this is what what is important because that is what we're telling people is important so it sounds like we haven't got it completely wrong there the other 
thing I just wanted to close with is thinking about your own children and obviously they will grow up into adults at some point in the future. If any of them do choose to follow your path and have a highly intensive purpose-driven role, maybe becoming a CEO and also want to have children and be present in their lives, what, if any, advice would you give to them? I think the first thing is they have to do it their way, not my way. So they have to choose their life not copy mine. I think you have to go into decisions about leadership with your eyes wide open. You know, there are intense and difficult roles. That is part of it. My daughter's already told me she wouldn't wait as long as me to have children. (laughs) (laughs) It's lovely how they're so honest, isn't it? (laughs) Oh, and as a backhanded compliment, she said, but don't worry, you don't look as old as you are. (laughs) So she learns how to give hard feedback and a compliment at the same time. I'd say you can't just focus on what you want professionally. I think you have to think about your life in the round and think what would make you fulfilled and happy as a person. And yes, focus on the professional steps. And I could very clearly advise on the things that you would need to do professionally to pursue careers in a number of areas but I think you have to balance that out with really genuinely what do you want from your personal life and what makes you happy and those three things aren't always the same you know so I've come across people who want to be a CEO desperately want to be a CEO because they want the professional status of it but maybe not that well suited to it personally So I think you have to make an assessment of it yourself based on what fulfills you, what makes you happy, how do you combine your personal and professional life um, and don't underestimate the personal because these roles come with significant choices and trade-offs. I think as in life, you know, have a partner who understands you and values your career, in fact, makes a major difference in time and over time. Uh, I think in short, You've got the support at home you need. And I've said to both of them, they can rely on me for pragmatic and practical help because that was one of the things that I didn't have so much with my parents both being dead. But I will babysit. I will clean their house. I'll cook food for them and I'll give them professional advice too if they need it. I I, I can see my third career uh, coming, supporting them to, to do theirs. But I hope we would have moved on in terms of equality a long way there. But, you know, the importance of practical help as well as professional help is so important because, as you say, time is of the essence you know it is so valuable and you can't do everything so getting the right view yourself personally what you want good professional advice and practical and pragmatic help in keeping things moving and running at home I think you've got a good chance of success I love that you mentioned happiness what makes you happy about being both a CEO and having children. What do you love about it? Oh my gosh, that was a big question. <laughs> Sorry, I did say I had only one more question, but you make me yeah, think. What, what makes me happy? Yeah, well, my children are the love of my life. There is nothing, you know, that makes me more happy or is more important to me. They fill me full of joy and hope and pride and all of those things. So it is my privilege. Um, it's absolutely my privilege to be a parent and have them as friends really my life is considerably bigger and more 
fulfilling as a consequence. And then I have a great privilege that I'm driven by purpose. And when we look around the world that we're in, there are thousands of huge issues that we would want to address as a society. And I have a privilege of leading one of them, which is how we beat cancer together, not only here in the UK and around the world. And that gives me a sense of purpose and energy and focus. And finally, I actually really love being with people too. So seeing people come together to change the world, seeing people come together and grow their confidence and their voice and apply their skills and and do that, whether that's being the CEO of Cancer Research UK or uh, many other areas you see people doing it in life. You know, have you ever tried to organise the school fate. I, I, I found that harder on maternity leave than running <laughs> Cancer Research UK. That was a bit more challenging. But you can give in so many ways. And, and for me, you know, my family, my work, my friends, the purpose I have all come together for me to make me quite a happy person, really. Thank you for sharing that so honestly. If people want to get in touch with you or support your work that you're clearly so passionate about, how would you like them to do that? They can contact me directly. If you just go into Cancer Research UK, it will come up. And if you Google me, you can find ways of contacting me directly as well. Fantastic. And I would just want to finish with saying, as a CEO with children, I think one of the things is thinking about how you use your time and energy and your professional experiences in the best way you can. And you know, as a feminist, the personal is political and we together have to create more flexible working environments where parents and carers can give of their very best and organisations are stronger for it. So we're all in this together and I'd really look forward to hearing some of the perspectives and views of, of your listenership. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Michelle. It's been really inspiring to talk to you. Thank you so much for listening today. If this has been helpful to you in any way, please help me make a bigger impact by sharing it with three of your friends today. I'm sure you'll know someone who really needs to hear these things. So it'd be great if you could share it with them. And obviously, if you want to support, like with any podcast, you know, five stars reviews really help with the visibility. So thank you in advance for your help. And as I said at the beginning, if you are looking to join a network of like-minded, ambitious individuals who are parents across sectors, then head over to leadersplus.org.uk forward slash fellowship to find out more. The next fellowship is starting in April and the application deadline is on 4th March. There are some subsidised places available, including hardship funds, especially for those in financially challenged circumstances. Um, Until next time, have a wonderful week.